Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with actress Say Marie. We are here to talk about her latest film, Movers Ultimate, which is described as this romantic comedy, but I kind of feel, and Say might back me on this, I kind of feel like there's a little more to just like a buddy-buddy comedy movie going on. Welcome, Say. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Pup. Um, it's so funny to hear you describe it as a romantic comedy, because I really feel like this um, uh, comedy, I would say, is probably the strongest genre selection I would choose for it. But it does have, uh, it, it, it has a, a, a lot of genre overlapping within it. So that's funny. There is some romance, there's some, some drama, uh, a lot of comedy, but uh, life lessons too. So yeah. On the surface, it could come across as like um, employee of the month or uh, waiting or, you know, things like that. Those type of two main dudes have some sort of issue while working. And that's just an oversimplification of it because there's a lot more your family's circumstance, which is sad and strange and something that a lot of people have gone through so it's more than just you know um oh my god I forgot his name Chad and Andy yes it's it's more than just the dudes it's this whole thing is going on where yeah okay the goal is for them to finish up their their work day at a place they're working at that neither of them really want to be at so that they can get to their high school reunion but over the course of trying to move your family, mm-hmm. you and your your two brothers, who are going through this crazy situation, which, you know, often follows divorce. They learn how to smack in your face. It's not like, here's your moral, you know? Yeah, I think it's definitely, um, it's a very good personification of things are usually not what they appear to be on the surface, or mm-hmm. uh, what someone's first assumption would be about them in the style or vein of a 90s road trip style like you mentioned road trip american pie like all those movies um with just the over the top like constant one-liners it's just constant berating comedy um the relationship that these characters have with each other gives them a comfort level to just like can we swear on here no we can Mm -hmm. okay say whatever the fuck they want um And there's a lot of swear <laughs> because <laughs> they are like brothers and they spend every single uh, waking second of every day with each other, essentially. So Andy Carlson and Sean Knox play uh, the two lead movers who are very much like brothers, best friends uh, by choice and by force, I would say, almost because they, you know, they work together, but they also went to high school together. Um, so they just, they spend every second together. And so, you know, they, they annoy each other, they pick on each other, but they love each other endlessly. And because of that, they are unapologetically honest with each other. Uh, most of the time, um, there are a few instances that people will see in this film where, um, they each have something about their lives that they're unhappy with and therefore embarrassed to admit even to each other and to themselves and that is a that is you know where the beginning of the the life lessons start to play in followed by when they actually start this nightmare of a move and meet uh, my character and Annalise Poorman who plays my mother um and even the the actor that plays my little brother like there's a lesson in each character um but it's it's I, I really like it because it's an unexpected conclusion, I think, where it's very much like real life, at least the way I've experienced it, where there are never really any answers to anything. There are only choices. And how which choices you make will dictate the type of life you have and who's in it and who's not. And how happy you ultimately end up being, but there's never an end. It's just a continuance. And so they kind of basically learn stuff like that along the way. Uh, But that is very, very sneakily put in there 
most of the time you're just laughing your ass off and having a good time. Oh, definitely for sure. But you're right. And they are, they are that close and they are bros and they are dudes and they're besties and every word you can think to describe them. But different than siblings in a way, because siblings, I think they, they are together more often than they would have been with like siblings. Like I couldn't tell you, and this is sad maybe, but we talk on the phone, but I couldn't tell you the last time I laid eyes on my sister. We don't hang out like that, but talk to my best friend more often. So kind of a relationship by, by, you know, choice at first. And then also it's, it, they are forced as well because they both ultimately, uh-huh, pun intended, mm-hmm. not intended, uh, end <laughs> up working together at the same place. One of them by choice, one of them, not so much. Um, and so they spend more time, but you, you see it, uh, start to take its toll as well. I don't want to give away any spoilers. Exactly. Watch it yourself, people. Right. One of the characters made that choice to work for the company. And the other one, which I liked, it was referenced, but it wasn't explained. Sometimes I, I don't like that in films where they they explain, this is how we got to this point. It's like, okay, yeah. don't talk to me like I'm dumb. I could probably figure it out my, on my own. And honestly, does it, it's not... Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not that important to the story. The fact that something traumatic to me mm-hmm. and happened while he was doing that job led him. And I think a lot of people have felt that way. People, um, doctors or, or paramedics or nurses or, you know, any police officers, something traumatic happens where they can't even work in the field anymore. Exactly. I don't need to, Yeah. And I don't need to know your whole entire story and reason for it. I just know that something happened and I feel bad for you mm-hmm. and I'm glad you're doing something to continue to be, you know, to work and be productive. I don't need to know everything. I think so I a cool like- point to make actually, because I, I did put some thought into that when we were filming and after I first read the script and we had some discussions about it on set as well. And basically came to that same conclusion of the details don't matter. Um, just like real life. It, how many times have we kind of woken up and said, how did I end up here? And you, you retrace your steps and still can't even really figure it out. It was just, like I said, choices you made along the way. And, you know, whether it was uh, a traumatic experience that he had at the fire station or he needed more money or he was trying to impress somebody like it, it, the, the reason doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is the the guilt and shame that he shows later on for having had made that choice yeah. besides, you know, why he made it or, or what it ended up being. And I think that's really reflective of <laughs> a lot of things that a lot of people feel and do. It's definitely relatable. I mean, there's so many relatable points in the film. There's, there's your character, Susan. Mm-hmm. She says something about being the oldest intern at a, at a company. And I think that's something a lot of people either fresh out of college or a couple few years out of can really relate to like what in the actual hell could I get a promotion? Mm-hmm. Can you hire me? Can you let me go so I can go someplace that will hire me? So that's relatable. Yeah. Your mom being on the end, you know, on the, kind of in the losing end of a divorce, it looked like that's something people can relate to no matter, you know, if you're the wife, the husband, or whomever, everybody can relate to that, to, to getting screwed over. Really cool too, that everybody, every character's experience and what they're going through, uh, during the duration of this film shows that they're all kind of parallel to each other in a way. So while, um, Chad might be feeling guilt for quitting early, so to speak, or making a decision that he is sort of regretting. Um, Susan is sticking it out much longer than she ever anticipated that she would. And so it's, it's like the grass is not always greener on the other side uh, adage. It, mm-hmm. It's just, there's pros and cons to both sides. And so Susan's feeling the the pros and cons of her decision. Chad is feeling the pros and cons of his decision. Um, Susan's mother is going through this crazy, traumatic, stressful divorce. 
and she's channeling it through her extreme bitchiness, like mm-hmm. her bossiness. And so if you read her character on the surface, you just think that that's just who she is. And she's just this entitled privileged bitch that just mm-hmm. like wants to control everything. And that is just a, a sprinkle of her, you know, channeling what she can't control in her own life. And because of the decision she made to end her marriage, she's going through the, one of the hardest times she'll ever have to go through. But in order to get to a place where she's a million times better off than where she started. And it's, it's, it's really awesome to think about the film from this perspective, because I've really only been uh, entertaining the, the comedic side of it. Uh, but there really are these deep level decisions and things going on with these characters. And the audience really only gets to see one day of their lives while all of their lives intersect in one place, in one situation. But the film takes place over one day. And so um, it is really interesting to break that down and and think about and relate to each character in a certain way. Right. One very long day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too Wait, long. Yeah, exactly. Well, according to Chad. But <laughs> you're right, though. It's like on paper, it's like bro number one, bro number two, Karen, Karen's mm-hmm. dog. And by Karen, yeah. I mm-hmm. you know. No, I, yeah, she is a Karen. <laughs> And then Karen's daughter, who's, you know, unfulfilled in her job, weird ass son, <laughs> and cool, cool, younger son, who's kind of like sweet and charming. Then you have the two dumbasses. Then you have the, the hapless, well-intentioned new kid, you know, on paper. The idiot boss. The, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of it. So on paper, it's like, ugh. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, well, she's a Karen because she's losing everything. And her only thing that she can hold on to is her kids and her stuff. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, there obviously is some entitlement and privilege in her character uh, based on, you know, her what she looks like and the life that she's led, the life that she married into, the money, all that stuff. Um, but that just all feeds into how she channels her emotions in the end until she she basically cracks and lets her real self seep through for like 0.2 seconds i'm not gonna say how or or when or why because that's a spoiler but um you you basically get to see how her how her character reveals that unintentionally and and has to recover from that and it's just a reminder that everybody in this film is basically just putting on a mask, uh, putting on, everybody has armor that they put on to deal with what they're actually going through and, and just focusing on this move instead, almost like that's the distraction or, or the stepping stone or something. Right. Like getting our stuff from point A to point B is literally all that matters. I don't yeah. care to address mm-hmm. the that I'm having. I don't care that yeah. I really, this conversation with so-and-so how many times have you had something big going on and the tiniest little thing goes wrong and you're like this like even this little fucking thing is not working like and you just lose it because you it just that little thing not going smoothly reminds you of all the chaos and lack of control that you feel out here and so it it breaks you and you you quote-unquote overreact to it um, as a, like a, a somebody who's watching it that doesn't know what's going on with you would think, <laughs> and your real emotions seep through if you don't have a oh. another outlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you just you hit me in a in a personal spot there because it's <laughs> actual real life experience with that just the other day. Really, running late. Notice <laughs> your low gas, right? And you're like, shit, I'm not gonna make it. You know, mm-hmm. I better. Yes. Oh well, I'm gonna have to relate. And then the the freaking um to to pop your gas door open. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't I'm trying it with a key. Trying <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, if I could have, I would have picked my car up and thrown it across the gas station. You just was, feel like the world is against you. You're like the world is doing this. The universe is doing this to me, just mm-hmm. out of spite or amusement. Like I'm just their plaything. 
feels like in those moments. We all need yoga. Oh, God. Uh, you know, yoga or something that we can't talk about right now. But um, <laughs> but it's so true. Like, talk about a, that in the movie. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. There's a meme and it's like a picture. I want to say it's like an old Greek painting or something. And it's just this dude and he's going, Rrr. and the <laughs> meme, the, the caption at the bottom says, when you catch your, what is it? When you catch your, your gene loop on a cabinet handle, you know? Like oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's the little things. And it's like, okay, I know I'm probably not really mad. Well, no, if you step in, in water and socks, you are mad. But I'm not mad that the gas tank didn't open. I need to address the other issues. This is yeah. just part. Yeah. It's a channel. It's a projection of how you're really feeling. And it's interesting, too, if you start to um, think of people in that way. Um, like, I study with John Markland in Los Angeles. He's my acting coach and he, um, his approach is very well known. He, he's a, you know, a very sought after coach because his approach is like therapy plus, um, you know, how, how to, how to chant, how to transform that into your performance. Um, but I say that in, in, in regards to how he basically teaches you to break down other people in the way that you, can break down yourself because you know yourself, but you don't know other people the way you know yourself. Um, and, and through the work I've done with John, I have started to realize almost every time another person says something to me, I think to myself, why are they really saying that? Like it probably, it usually almost has nothing to do with me. And I can usually, if I know the person pretty well, I can, I can, figure out where it's actually coming from. And then it doesn't bother me anymore where I used to react, you know, thinking that it was targeted towards me or all about me when really it has nothing to do with me at all. Most of the things people say have everything to do with themselves and not with the other person because we're just innately selfish because we're the only people having our individual experience. So there's nothing we can really do about that. But it is really cool to, to, you know, have that approach when interacting with other people, because it, it definitely, it takes a lot of stress off, Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of situations that used to get me all riled up and don't anymore. That empathy. Exactly. Empathy. I was just going to say, definitely there's a, a big need for more empathy, more understanding, because there's a bunch of people walking around with hurt feelings that nobody ever hurt. Yeah. Because I think everything's about them. It, it usually never is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I talked to this filmmaker. He had done a, a film. The main character came from a small town to the bigger city to try to find a job. And the job fell through. He was on the streets. He was hungry. And the character thought that everybody hated him. Everybody was being mean to him. And the guy, the director said the same thing that you said. He's like, these, the other people don't even know what he's going through. They're not thinking about him at all and not in a bad way. They're probably thinking about their own shit and, oh, I feel guilty. I don't have a dollar on me right now. Or am I going to have bad karma if I don't give it to him? Or I'm making assumptions about him and how he got there and judging him for it without knowing a lick about what his reality really is or his truth really is. But yeah, that's a really deep example. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, yeah. I, and that, it, it's so true though, because it's like, you think about even just like in traffic, if someone cuts you off, I try very hard to not be like, Hey, fuck you, you know? And, and just be like, well, for all I know, they could be on the way to the hospital. They could be late for work or they could be an asshole. I mean, there's a lot uh, of that is, I, I, yeah, I actually have adopted something that I've said for the past few years I don't let them hear me say this but if I'm (laughs) in my car alone with the windows up and somebody does that out loud I just say I'm so sorry you hate your life (laughs) yeah there's no other reason for you to act like this unless it's an emergency but I would guess that's probably one percent of the times that people act (laughs) more like a half a percent but yeah (laughs) I'm trying to be more Understanding, but uh, 90% of people are probably assholes. Sorry. 
or at least selfish. I mean, and that includes that includes me. That includes you. That includes my kid over there. That includes the dogling. Honestly, what each character in Movers Ultimate that is literally what they're doing is only thinking about themselves and worried about themselves the entire time. And so you basically get to see how that's projected onto the other characters. Right. And, but you know, I don't think this is a spoiler. And if it is, you can tell me, but it seems like they are very insular. They're very about themselves, each of them. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, because of the situation that they're moving your family, because of everything that is happening with that, like Chad with the younger brother and um, Ryan with mm-hmm. and then even Chad's interaction uh with your mom you see like little cracks like oh let me peek out and see what's going on with you there's definitely oh. empathy gained yeah the, the film in different ways for different for almost everybody probably except Lance and Spooner as you say except for the knuckleheads except for the knuckleheads they don't care at all no they absolutely do not <laughs> And, and and your middle brother, who's just a train wreck. Yeah. I, yeah. He's a... Uh, does, does he even have a name? Yeah. It's um, Weirdo. Denny. It's Denny. Denny. Okay. Yeah. It's Denny. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a weird... It's a weird trajectory. And it's funny because I didn't think that... The, the film is so funny as it is that... Um, Denny is almost just like I can't say comedic relief he's just like a comedic emphasizer where yeah. he's there he doesn't really represent like something crazy like deep or philosophical or anything it, it's more just he represents a group of people that um Ben our Ben Rood our director and writer he wrote this film based on real life experience working for a moving company and he encountered different types of people that there seemed to be a lot of. And one of those was the weird, gross man no. who never moved out of his parents' house. <laughs> and so he, he represents that category. <laughs> What's cool about the Denny character, though, and you, you only see him for a couple glimpses. I forgot about him until I was like, who's that dude? Oh, yeah. What's cool about him is that your mom's name is Meredith, I believe, in the film, right? Mm-hmm. Ma- Ma'am. Ma'am. Even in her, you know, high castle on a hill, suburban, beautiful home, she's got an element that's not perfect, is not clean cut, is not employed. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. even instead of perfection, air quotes. Yeah. (laughs) It's not all perfect. It's not all the the American dream. That you would think it. So I thought it was kind of a nice little reminder that, like, hey, as as high and mighty as you might think you are, you might also have something that you're not necessarily the proudest of. And nothing against weirdos who pick their noses, and we're not attacking anybody. We don't do that on this show. But I'm just saying, for someone with a big, beautiful house, probably drove a Mercedes mm-hmm. or a Land Rover, you know, something uh, that had I don't know Tiffany sunglasses or whatever, yeah. and. She also had a weird son who, to me, was whacking off when the movers walked in and had bed bugs. I think you read that correctly. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Also picked his nose and had bed bugs. So you know what, Uh, Meredith slash Karen, I understand the reasons behind how you were, you know, how you were. I know people like Meredith, and it's very fascinating to me to to see the similarities uh between them because somebody like that who is so embarrassed mm-hmm. who and would never admit that their world isn't as quote unquote perfect as they would like it to be or present it to be would they, they would uh how should I say it you know spin something mm-hmm. in their life that that is like a Denny so for Meredith, you know, besides Denny being a product of privilege and probably never having to work a day in his life and can just live there and do whatever the hell he wants. Um, besides that, she, you know, she basically kind of writes him off and pretends like he's not doing the, the gross, insane things that he is doing. 
so, because her acknowledging it would acknowledge it for other people. So she, she just pretends like everything is normal and perfect in the way that she wants it to be. And it weirds people out enough that she's not acknowledging it, that it forces them to not acknowledge it. And, and I, I literally watch this game get played in real life all the time there. I know people like Meredith and it's just, it's kind of a, a mental manipulation. Like they're tricking everyone around them while also tricking themselves into thinking that things are that way because it makes them feel better than having to uh, explore those things that they don't want to. Right. It's kind of like when, <laughs> when you were a kid and you would be scared and you'd cover yourself up. Cause like mm-hmm. you can't see them. They can't see you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, if I put uh-huh. a sheet, my strange relative and act like it's not there. And then people are like, what's under the sheet? And you're like, what sheet? You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what it is. That's, that's her armor in the film is I can't see you. You can't see me. Mm-hmm. I pretend like it's that way. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think no. Yeah. That's a coping mechanism, I guess. Funny too, because I feel like my character, Susan, is almost the relief from all of that in the film. She's the only character who is just down to earth and honest and kind of analytical of the chaos around her and it's not okay, but doesn't yeah. Is like she, you know, I almost said a spoiler. She acknowledges that th- that her mom is not really the easiest to deal with, uh, but, you know, kind of shows that she knows why. Um, mm-hmm. And it really is the empathy in the film, almost. And so that lesson I'm just realizing right now <laughs> comes mm-hmm. from her in a few different angles. Uh, I joke that usually um, a film will have a character that is the comedic relief. I feel like in this insane, like ridiculous comedy that Susan is the dramatic relief. She's the only one that just like anchors it. And it it's like every single scene with Susan just feels different than the scenes without her. It just feels like calmer and more under control um, than the rest of it, which is just like, what is happening? I, I, it's like so fast paced and chaotic and fun. But also, um, like I said, it's a, it's a give and a take. You see how serious Susan is because she doesn't allow that type of uh, fun in her life, really. It's all, all about choices. <laughs> You're right about the, the feel of a scene when she's involved. It's definitely calmer. And you can get why uh, Ryan is constantly drawn into, like, where she is. Because mm-hmm. he is. I can- feel that. Yeah. His life is very chaotic with his phone going off every two seconds, you know, and fighting with Chad and thinking about an opportunity that was presented to him and things like that. So she's kind of like this little calm in the storm, which is really cool. A lot of uncertainty just whipping around. Yeah. All right. I just want to touch on one thing because I finally got IMDb to pull you up. You were a stunt double. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually, um, I did uh, stunt work for several years before I transitioned full-time into acting. So this would have been like 2011 to 2013 was when I was a full-time stunt double. And um, I did stunt work for Rachel McAdams and Vanessa Shaw in that time period. And uh, for me, that was something I fell into, but fortunately... I was just looking for a way to get onset experience in general. I just graduated and got an acting degree, but had never stepped foot onto a set before. And so my acting coach at the time had given me the advice to just, you know, spend some time on a set in any capacity you can. And uh, I didn't want to just, you know, be a a PA or anything. I wanted to make sure I had like a front row seat to the action because I'm one of those information junkies where I'll just very spy like watch everything (laughs) and absorb it all um so I actually it was was, uh, funny how it happened because I went out to be 
uh, Rachel's stand-in for a film and thinking, you know, that will literally put me in her place and I can see how all this works, learn all the lingo, uh, learn what they need from me while working on my craft. I was basically trying to learn the business side um, separate from my craft. And when I went out to be her stand-in, um, that, you know, they take your measurements and they meet you, the director and everybody. And then I didn't know that they were looking for a stunt double for her. And so I got the stand-in position, but then when they saw my resume, um, even though I had no projects on it at the time, I listed my, uh, extensive adrenaline junkie history of like, just you know, anything action-packed you can imagine. I grew up in a motocross family. I competed equestrian. Um, my little sister went professional in, in motocross at 16. So it was, it was crazy. Learned certified in scuba diving, skydiving. Uh, I was doing like handgun training at the time, uh, martial arts. I've learned sword fighting, just literally anything you can think of. Uh, the Tom Cruise syndrome, as they call it as I call it. Uh, so when they saw that, they basically asked if I would be interested in uh, becoming certified as her stunt double because uh, it's very hard in the business, I have since learned, to find a person who's not only qualified, but also professional and available uh, to double uh, these big time actors who also have like she and I happen to be a perfect match because we have the same skin tone. We are exactly the same height. Um, we have the same face shape, like same um, build, uh, light eyes, like everything matched so perfectly. Like all they had to do was color my hair for the first project. And that was just a golden ticket for them. So they sent me, I think my first project for her was Southpaw, a uh, feature film with her and Jake Gyllenhaal were leading that and uh, a lot of other <laughs> big people, but um, they sent me for training um, and I got certifications and then I just kind of got addicted to that and realized um, what a doorway that opened for me. And I absolutely loved it. I had so much fun. I met so many amazing people who are still really good friends now in the business. And um, I, I don't regret a second of it. It was amazing. But after about two and a half years, I did have to sit down and sever that, that, uh, arrangement because it would have kept going forever. <laughs> so I basically had to say, you know, I, I thank you. I'm grateful. I love this, but I set out to be an actor and I got what I needed out of this. And I need to focus on, you know, myself and my craft from now on. And that was exactly what I did. Um, the only difference being that I do all of my own stunts now. I know <laughs> how, and I love it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I was going to say Southpaw, first of all, is a really, really good movie. And now I'm going to go back and watch it and try to, to spite. Um, and also you were like queen of the puns because you said you fell into doing stunt work, which was uh, awesome. That was unintentional. <laughs> I, I love me a good pun and a good dad joke. Like it's my, yeah. my humor is the kind of humor that's just for me, you know? So everyone kind of looks at me real weird, but I'm laughing my ass off. That's when something's funny to me. Okay. I feel like I can share this with you. Last night I was online. I was looking because I want to get a second car, second vehicle. I actually would like to get like a truck or something a little up off the ground. Uh -huh. So I found, I don't even know what brand it was. It was one of those like econo van type things. Like you'd probably get kidnapped in it. That kind of van, bright yellow. Oh, bright yellow is like sunshine yellow. Aww. So I took a picture of it and I sent it to my friend and I said, it's a banana. Oh my gosh. See, I would love it. If I'm rolling my eyes while I'm laughing, it's the best joke. The best joke ever. I'm telling you, I was wheezing. I, I laughed for a good five minutes and I got nothing back. And they're, and they're just on the other side. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I'm like, I said, okay, maybe they're busy. So I let 15 minutes go by. And then I, perhaps I put, it's a banana. 
And they go, yeah, I got it. And I'm like, we are definitely the same person because that is exactly what happens. I'll say something so cheesy. It's like, how did she even let that come out of her mouth? And then when they don't laugh, I explain the joke. Even if I know they got it, I still explain it because I need them to know how clever I am. And then they usually almost, almost always say, yeah, I know. I get it. I'm just not laughing because it's not funny. And I'm, that just makes it funnier. I don't know how, but it does. Then you get that pity, LOL. And I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're a liar. I, I have one for you. I heard this recently and I just think it's like the epitome of what we're talking about. What is the difference between a dad joke and a bad joke? One letter. See? Pity LOL. It's like literally what we're talking about. And is it wrong? Because I love a bad joke. And I feel like, I feel like we should have more of them. My kid loves puns. He loves puns all day long. He loves physical comedy. If you fall down in a movie, he will laugh. Really? But if it's not a comedy. And he, he will randomly go and we have a running joke about it he will randomly go a running yeah. joke sorry god <laughs> we just become best friends we did we did okay. but like he'll randomly go wah 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 so it's like <laughs> but you could have like whacked your ankle you know on the wall and going son of a bitch and he's going wah 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 because <laughs> with like the a villain in the making <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's just like, I think people, to get somewhat serious, I think people are too afraid to be stupid in a good way. Appearances, oh my God, don't look you at me. I really encourage it takes to just put yourself out there like that and risk people mm-hmm. laughing at you. I, I, I think the only reason I'm semi-okay with it is because like I was bullied as a kid. So I'm like, used to it and I, I figured out a way to turn that into like a power basically but I still even having that power I you know it's mortifying it's like I don't know just being the center of attention in that way is it blows my mind the things that the other characters in Movers Ultimate did because they're just, just like whatever you know every anything goes at all <laughs> I hate to 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 harp on it but I mean Denny was picking his nose and wiping it on his shirt I know I know ghost it's crazy (laughs) it's such a good film and it's going to be available soon today's attack it It will be out on August 19th we just had our uh our big red carpet premiere about two weeks ago and it comes out on Amazon Prime on August 19th I can't believe it's so soon nine days I love that you guys got to have a premiere it, it's been so rough the past couple of years for film yeah it was um the timing of it ended up working out perfectly really uh ironic considering uh we when we filmed it it's I guess what they technically call now a pandemic film because mm. the casting process like the auditioning the casting the table read all of that happened in 2019 and uh, we were slated to start filming somewhere completely different in March or April of 2020, which that's when, you know, shit went down. So uh, I just remember getting a call from Ben like two weeks into uh, COVID hitting the U S and he just kind of chuckled and was like, yeah, so we're going to have to wait and see. And uh, yeah, totally, you know, got it and, and just said, you know, just keep me updated. And then it was maybe like a month later that he called again and said, um, we think we found a way to make it work. And we think we had, you know, at that point, some a lot more resources were coming out about how to film as safely as they knew how to and how to do a bubble set and all that jazz. And so we ended up filming at this location in Cincinnati and everyone involved in the film lived there and you know from the second you stepped foot on there you didn't leave until it was done um and so it was really ironic that we filmed it was september 2020 we filmed well that's when it started for about two months 
And then uh, all of the post-production took place during, not that the pandemic's over, but during the rest of the height of the pandemic. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we decided to have the premiere about, a, you know, a month-ish before the film's release. I think it was the first time that uh, it was probably safe enough to do so. And, uh, you know, we kept it very, very strict with the roles. And there were uh, maybe 10 people on the day that ended up having to not be able to attend because exposure and all that. But we got very lucky that even given those guidelines, we um, we had the full, full hurrah, the full red carpet and the press and um, the Tall Family Theater in Pittsburgh, which is my hometown. Um, oh. graciously offered to host it for us, which is a whole other story because uh, the producers and Ben wanted to have an LA premiere and uh, only because that's just typical. That's just what you do in, mm. in the film industry. No matter where you film, LA is the place you premiere it. Uh, but I have such strong ties to Pittsburgh and this theater in general, the Tall Family Theater is a nonprofit theater who loves to promote independent filmmaking and since this is not a studio film it technically falls under that category and uh they were very very excited to collaborate with us on it and so it was a a chance to to mutually you know lift each other up and it ended up being the best event it possibly could have been uh anyone that was there press included said it was the best premiere they had ever been to and cool and Everyone was laughing their asses off. It was just, it was so, so great. I think it's kind of happily ironic that a film about moving from one place to another and also moving and navigating through life mm -hmm. was kind of kind of cross country, kind of California, Ohio, Pittsburgh. That's a cool parallel, like dealing with restrictions in a way. I, I, I have this new thing that I kind of uh, had an epiphany recently where I realized that there, you know, a, a lot of people say, myself included, like, you, you got to learn to do the best with what you have, the cards that you're dealt, what is the best I can do with that. But I think I don't really think enough about the power that I have to change what I have. So you know, this is a great example of that utilizing the resources that we have and thinking outside the box, even to the point of not having a premiere in Los Angeles or New York or London. Like those are the places that premieres happen just because it's, you know, the industry deemed it that way. And look at what we did. And it was incredible and I have friends from Los Angeles that said that they've never even been to a premiere like that uh, because of that decision. So it's it, it's awesome when you uh, when you do something new and it works. <laughs> well, that and I don't I don't think it's the smartest thing to you know start an argument with someone who knows how to sword fight, how to karate. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Pun intended. Nice. Yeah. I love it. I have a and sword actually <laughs> yeah yeah one of the things that I um it's I've wanted to learn and I know there's a local there's a local class but I'm afraid it's just gonna be for like 13 year old boys and how they're bored kind of class I want a real class <laughs> where are you located central Florida okay I will say this I last year decided to start studying karate Mm -hmm. And from day one, realized that that is exactly what it was going to be. It was going to be me and a bunch of nine-year-old boys. <laughs> and I decided that that didn't matter to me. Like, is it as funny as that is? It, it also wasn't really embarrassing when I thought about it because I was there for a certain goal. And who was in that class with me didn't at all affect whether or not I achieved that goal. And it's almost like I was rewarded for it because after a couple of weeks, um, I didn't know this, but apparently like there are, there are quarters to the curriculum. And so at the end of that quarter, a new quarter started and people that hadn't been able to attend that current quarter I started in started coming to class. 
And now my class is full of people my age, all the way up to 60. Like there's still nine-year-old boys, but then there's, you know, a few women my age and people all the way up to 60. And I just, I, I encourage you to seek it out anyway, because you'd be surprised who is into that stuff and also how little it matters. If, right. if you get happiness out of it, that's all that really matters. You know what? And you bring up a valid point because someone your age might not necessarily give you quite as an enthusiastic high five as a nine-year-old will. Yeah, exactly. But I'm able to execute the moves a hell of a lot better than a nine-year-old boy as an well, adult and as, you know, being able to understand the the reasoning behind everything and the seriousness and the dedication and the focus and the discipline, etc. Oh, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. I broke a board. Yeah. You're like, I want to be able to kick someone's ass or defend myself. Don't say ass. That's a bad word. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But, I mean, you're right. And it, I think it goes back way back to, to taking the joy and the, the peace or the happiness where you can, mm-hmm. when you from wherever you can. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I challenge you to go sign up for a class. Oh, God. I hope they give me a blunted sword because I'll probably cut my fingers off. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. You learn with plastic swords. German longsword is the style that I was taught. Um, ironically, that's the only thing on my resume. No, I lied. There are two things on my stunt resume that didn't come from stunt work. Um, most of the things did. But then, like I said, when I transitioned into acting full time, which has been a good 10 years now, um, there are two projects I did where my character had a specific skill set. And so one of them, they sent me to learn German longsword. I was trained in that for those, for that character. And then uh, wire stunts on top of that. Oh, wow. Which is so much fun. Literally fly. (laughs) I've only heard the rumors of the wedgies, but yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. I did a project once. It was a commercial where... And it's out, so I can talk about this. But um, it was maybe five or six years ago. And the stunt guy and I are now good friends because I've worked with him on um, maybe three other projects after that. Our paths keep crossing. Uh, But we never forget that project because in this commercial, I had to do a wire stunt. And he was the one rigging it up and everything. And I had underneath your outfit, when you do a wire stunt, you basically have on what looks like a um, straight jacket, but like with no sleeves or legs, it looks like shorts up to a tank top, but it's a straight jacket and has a whole bunch of buckles right here in the front and in the back right here. And uh, so they put you in this straight jacket and they compress it as much as they can. And then you put your clothes on over top and then they'll cut holes in your clothes really small feed the wires through and the hooks and then there's a lot of like cg and editing that they have to take that stuff out but for this particular commercial my character uh the wire stunts were to simulate scuba diving underwater but they were doing it in a studio because they had to be able to control other elements of the production so instead of actually putting me underwater they had an all white studio and they made it into a wire stunt where I then had to pretend to lift off and swim through the water in a scuba suit, but I'm really being pulled up by these wires. So imagine being in that straight jacket under a scuba suit, which if you've ever worn a scuba suit is like, like suction. It, it actually like hurts so tight. And uh, yeah, I didn't pee for six hours. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> That's crazy. I do. I have been in a wetsuit before, and you're right. It's like, yeah, it wasn't even wet. It was dry. But like we, it took them an hour just to get me into the whole contraption with everything, and then get me hooked up. So I'm like sitting there sipping on my Red Bull, waiting for all the million takes, and uh. Yeah, I just, I literally was just like, it's not worth it to go pee. It's not worth it. I, well, this might get cut out, but as one who has. You have to say you can pee in the wetsuit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I don't think my stunt coordinator would have appreciated that. 
<laughs> probably not the best place for it. However, in the, the wild. <laughs> oh, in the wild, you do it all the time. I mean, you have to. Absolutely. Sometimes you're lying I if you say you don't. You know what? Anybody who ever says, I've never, no. Yes, you have. You're lying. You're an you absolute. Every single person has peed in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It has peed in it. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you're literally swimming through poop. So I know. I try to forget that every time I'm there, but like always remember somehow. Just think of it as like you're swimming through shark poop and then it's badass. You're like, oh yeah, shark poop. Yeah, it's really, really badass. <laughs> so badass. <laughs> I have loved talking to you. I hope that you keep in touch. I would love to have you come on and talk about a bunch of other cool stuff, even if you're, you know, not promoting a film such as Movers Ultimate. Absolutely love to. You are such a joy to talk with. And I just, we are now best friends. And anytime you want to talk about your banana car or anything, you text me and I will give you a sincere LOL, not a pity LOL. I promise. I know. I know. It's overwhelming. You can't handle it. It's friendship on another level. It's, it's a banana. (laughs) (laughs) It's true love. We're, we're we're peeling back the layers. Oh my God! Stop! Can't. All right. Well, listen. Say, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. I am Say Marie. So Say is my name. It's pronounced like Say Marie, but it's spelled S E. And so my social media uh, is Say Marie on Instagram. It's Say S E underscore Marie. And uh, my website is officialsaymarie.com. You can find me on IMDb and Wikipedia and a whole bunch of other cool places. Uh, And I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on the film. I'm so excited. It comes out August 19th. And I can't wait for the world to see this. This has been a long time coming. And I can't wait to get everyone's reactions. Yes, definitely. And it's a really good film. I mean, I think people, they see, oh, bromance. No, dig into it. My fiance likes to think of himself as the ultimate unofficial film critic. He's just like a movie buff. And he he has nights where he will just say, I'm going to go on a deep dive and find a random and and he finds random uh you know not so huge budget films and everything and he he after watching this he said this is a gem like this is the type of movie that uh you would never expect it to be this good and it's it's that good so i consider that to be the ultimate compliment i i have to say goodbye because i think my son is calling no no worries i know we're at our time anyway but I thank you so much for it was like honestly it was so good talking to you and I would love to come back anytime absolutely I'll message you on Instagram I found you you're following me I'm following you back yay thank you uh, thank you all right bye bye